Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 163 of the Speaking Club podcast. Today, I want to share this brilliant quote with you from Rainer Maria Rilke. Live your questions now, and perhaps even without knowing it, you will live along some distant day into your answers. I started this podcast for two reasons, because I want to help people recognize the power of stories and humor in speaking, and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organizations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hey there, lovely to have you listen to the show again and I hope you're well. I've got another fab one for you today, especially if you're hustling day and night, but finding you very little to show for it in terms of results. The first thing to say is, don't worry, you are not alone. One of the biggest complaints you'll hear from people in business is that there's not enough time in the day. And yet many of us are wasting so much of it without even realising. And this can cause overwhelm, stress, anxiety and potentially burnout. And that's why I wanted to bring Catherine Gladwin onto the show. She's an expert business mentor and multi-award winning number one best-selling author of two business books. In 2018, the British Independent newspaper listed her first book as one of the 10 best business books written by women. And since then, she's gone on to be featured in many national publications, including The Guardian, Forbes, Cosmopolitan and so on. Catherine has learned through experience and necessity how to protect and value her time. And that's because as well as enduring a recurring brain tumour, she also lives every day with Addison's disease. After needing four months off in 2019, she's now designed and built her business so that if she ever needs surgery again, it can continue on without her, keeping her finances and business presence secure. In this show, she's not only sharing how to keep your business safe, but also how you can work less and achieve more. But... Before we switch over to that interview, I wanted to tell you about another way that you can save time and achieve more, and that's by having a bank of authentic personal stories on tap and a structure that you can use again and again to make them engaging and relatable to your business and audience. On my live snackable story challenge, I'm going to show you how to find your stories and structure them for maximum engagement and impact, and it's completely free. This is one investment that will pay you dividends over and over again to power up your webinars, videos, Facebook lives, podcasts, and of course, talks. To grab your spot, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge and register now. Right, without further ado, let's cross over to my interview with Catherine Gladwin. So welcome to the Speaking Club, Catherine Gladwin. Yay! Round of applause (laughs) from the virtual audience. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm really chuffed to have you on the show. I had you in to speak to one of my mastermind groups and I was really impressed. And I possibly want to get you on the show at another point to talk about what we talked about in that. But who knows? I'll talk to you about that separately. But I think... Today, people are going to get a lot of value from what you're going to share. So, 
the question I've got for you first is, at what point in your business journey did valuing your time become a necessity? Well, my business journey started in 2015 and I excelled quite quickly with replacing my employed income which was great um but also in my first book I mentioned that um I then lost one of my main clients which was far too much of my income which meant I had to go back to work employed shudder still makes me feel sick now and and horribly itchy um and it was, I think it was at that point. So it was about six months after starting my business, I had to go back to employment. And it was at that point where I thought every hour counts. I cannot be given time away for free or discounting any hours um, or, you know, giving away all these endless resources. Give give people everything you know, they say, and, and they'll decide to invest in you. And it's like, well, it was at that point that I thought my time is money and I need to make sure it's, it's a saying I use. Um, I've stolen it from somewhere, I'm sure. But make sh- airplanes. That was it. Make sure your own oxygen's covered first. Um, I think I said that in your mastermind the other day as well. And that's that's something I keep telling myself that I need to make sure I'm okay. So that was kind of the turning point for me where I decided, right, I value my time, and others will too. Absolutely. And then. I mean, I don't know if you're if you're happy to talk to this, but you are very careful with what hours you work too, aren't you? In terms yeah. of looking after yourself. Absolutely, yeah. Because I'm dead lazy. No, <laughs> I um, <laughs> no, I um, I've got Addison's disease. My head, my brain is a bit like a greenhouse. I've so far grown three pituitary tumors, and as your audience will probably know, the pituitary gland sits at the bottom of the brain, so they're also called brain tumors. And it's a given that I will grow another one because like I said I'm a greenhouse and I grow these things fast what comes with those illnesses and diseases is fatigue and a lot of medication that I have to take every day just to keep me going and keep me alive so I don't tend to start my day until 10 o'clock I don't do calls until 11 a.m my clients know that they can't just phone me Um, my clients know that they just have to email me and if I was to list all of those things out, it would make people think, well, I'm not working with her. She's all right, bossy madam. Um, but I have to do it to enable me to give my clients the best service, the service that their investment should have. Um, so, yeah, my, my time is precious. But in, in return, I give the best possible service for anybody that works with me. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's to help me manage my health and my illnesses because... I mean, I've only just started talking about this um, because I was a bit embarrassed, but um, what the hell, it helps other people. I sometimes have to work from my bed and some of my one-to-one clients perfectly used to me having the headboard behind my head when I'm working. I'm I'm happy to say I've managed to get dressed this morning um, for this podcast, (laughs) buy my lipstick, but some days is a completely different story. I'm sat in bed and I call it my bed quarters. I love your authenticity authenticity for me is a big thing that's what I talk to people about in their speaking and story and all that stuff and you for me embody that because you're completely honest uh, about this but and I think it's nothing you know the world of business I think is changing the the message from people like Gary V hustle 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 is shifting now to I think um, you know more of a work-life balance and yes there's you have to do it but also I think working less 
is actually a way that you can give better quality and also have a better quality life as well. So I think it's amazing that you're able to run a successful business, be an award-winning author, all of that, and still keep that, you know, boundaries around your time. Absolutely brilliant. And and I think that's what I want. Some of the reason that I, the questions for today is to get some tips from you on how people listening, whether a speaker, an author, a coach, a consultant can get more from their time because it's so important. So first thing I wanted to ask you on this point is, in your opinion, are knowing what you need to earn and knowing your hourly rate the same thing in your book? Not in your book, but in your in your understanding. Sure. Um, not in my understanding. So knowing what you need to earn. So if, if I'm working with um, a business owner that is still employed, um, the first question I ever ask is, what do you need to earn every month? What needs to come into your house every month to enable you to survive? So that's the knowing what you need to earn. Um, and we'll add a little bit for, for a couple of luxuries, maybe a takeaway once a month if I'm feeling generous or something for them. Knowing your hourly rate, I, I try to encourage people to consider their hourly rate because once you know that, it can help change your mindset. So I look at when I was first starting my business, I used to say to myself, right, you're cleaning this kitchen sink. How much is that costing you to do that? And my hourly rate then was £25 an hour, I think, something like that. And I'd say to myself, yes, £25 an hour to clean this sink. I could do it after five. There's something better I can be doing with my time. If I've not got client work to do, I could be marketing my business. I could be writing a blog. I could be having an argument on LinkedIn with a complete stranger or something like that. Knowing my hourly rate means I know how much I'm losing if I'm buggering about. Am I allowed to say that on podcast? Yes, you are. if If I'm messing about. Or, you know, there is that sometimes that thought, you know what, I'm a business owner, I'm going to take Friday off. But can you afford to take Friday off? You know, that's potentially four or five hours. And if your hourly rate is £100 an hour, you're losing 500 quid. Can you afford that? So that's why I encourage people to think about an hourly rate as well. Cool. And I think it's, it is, you know, your time is money. The point is that if you don't value your time, no one else is going to value it. So true. So, so true. Um, and, and this is why I'm a huge advocate of not giving too much away for free, because there have been times where I've given somebody a lot of information. Um, they've wanted to know, how do I start a business? How do I grow my business? How do I grow my audience? How do I keep getting leads? And, and I'll give somebody a long winded advice and something that's really going to change their life if they if they implement it. And you can see they've read the message and then nothing else comes through. And me being me, as you said, authentic and upfront, I'll leave it a couple of days and then I'll go back and go, you're welcome or something like that. (laughs) Because I completely wound up by it. Um, And I'll just sit with it for a few days. So I don't do it anymore. And uh, instead I divert people to to book a paid for call with me if they want to tap into my knowledge and experience instead. That's brilliant. It's vital. And I, and I think, you know, I've fallen into that trap so many times and I still do to an extent. But, it, you know, it's not to say don't help people because we all put out free content. This podcast is free. You know, we, we do. But there are people that will just keep keep on asking and asking. And as, if they don't pay, they don't pay attention. They don't value it. They don't implement it. That's the other side of the coin. Yeah. And my ideal client are people that implement. So if I'm giving stuff away for free too often, 
then I'm not attracting my ideal client because I can make a change to business owners' lives, but they need to implement the advice. So I need to attract the right people. So giving too much, like you say, I still give the stuff away for free. You know, um, sometimes I'll see somebody struggling in business and, and I'll offer them a copy of my book for free, perhaps. Um, and I do resources, I do podcasts like this, I do PR and everything. So yeah, but um, I, I do value my time and I won't give too much. And I hope others don't either. <laughs> but we can still be so, friends if they do. <laughs> so it's good to have boundaries, I think is the message here for a number of reasons. Um, where would you advise people to start implementing those boundaries first? Sure. So I think, um, and I know you'll agree with this, Sarah, that the boundaries can evolve over time. So if you've been in business five minutes, you may not have any boundaries because you'll be just eager to get as many clients as possible. If you've been in business six months, you may have a couple of boundaries in place and then they'll start to evolve. You've been in business six years, you still probably haven't nailed it because things will change. Your life will change. Your health will change. So when I first started in business, of course, my hours were, my hours, not of course, but they were eight till six, you know, because I thought that was how I should really be. Um, They're now 10, 11 till four or something like that. But initially, my boundaries were that I didn't want people phoning because I was still employed when I first started my business. So I couldn't have people phoning. It had to be by email. And that's carried on. I don't, I don't like taking unsolicited un- unarranged calls because it just knocks you out of sync doesn't it when you're doing something I think it takes on average about 23 minutes to get back into what you were doing um and if your time is money that's wasted, <laughs> that's wasted money we just keep going around in circles with that one won't we um and I I won't um communicate via whatsapp because I communicate via whatsapp with my daughter so that's that's our private space I run a group mentoring program and if they've got a question to ask me, they ask it in the Facebook group. If they private message me, I ask them to put it in the group so that everybody can benefit. So it's, it's little boundaries like that. It's, it's how it makes it easy for you to run your business. So my saying is your business, your rules. So like I said, they will evolve over time. If a client ever wanted me to jump on a call at 9am on the, in the morning, it can't happen. Because once you give in that first time, you're saying it's okay to do it the next time, aren't you really? Mm. So, but yeah, it's through trial and error sometimes to find those boundaries, don't you find? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think you're right, it is a journey. It's you know, when I when I work with clients, I talk about this sort of you've probably seen that circle thing where you know you have your free content, freebies, then your online content, and getting access to you should be the most expensive thing. And I think in some senses, having that sort of mentality around people getting access to your time, you've got to protect the time so that you can deliver the best thing for your clients that you you're actually contracted to work for and look after your your own health and well-being as well so yeah absolutely now you've had a lot of experience building a VA business and helping others find success with a service-based business do you use a VA yourself today yes yes um I've got one that um I use all of the time um she's my community manager and she helps me with some admin bits as well and then I've got others that I call on for specific things so even though I can update my WordPress website myself because I know how to do it 
I always get stuck down a rabbit hole and I will end up redoing the whole website, whole new rebrand. Actually, while we're at it, why don't we just completely, I go, I'm going to change my whole name via Depot actually. And, and so I have people to do, to help me with that as well. Um, I've also got, I write my own newsletters and my own sequences because it comes out in my tone of voice, but then I send them to my VA and she puts them into my email marketing system for me and sets up everything to go out. Again, that's something I can do, but I'll get stuck down a rabbit hole and start messing about with it and rereading my newsletter. It's better if I just write it and hand it over and know that it's gone. Uh, because then that saves me time. So yes, why didn't I just say yes? No, that's perfect. So it's great, <laughs> great. It's nice to sort of see behind the scenes of how you use VAs. So uh, we we've implemented something because I tend to get stuck down rabbit holes quite a lot. We have five uh, percent uh, time, so I'm only allowed to work on the five percent of activities that generate revenue. And and my business partner tries their best to keep me away from everything else because I do get like just like you I think it's an entrepreneurial thing okay so next question why would you say apart from all the other things that we've talked about why would you say and you know the five percent all that good stuff why would you say it's important to outsource and do you think everyone should do it I think there definitely comes a time when when people need to outsource it's important so I'm going to jump a little bit here, if that's okay. Um, When I work with business owners and it's time for them to outsource, because we're working so closely together, I can usually identify where it would be best for them to start outsourcing. But for anybody that that isn't working with me, what I say to them is to make a list of everything they can't do, everything they won't do, and everything they shouldn't be doing. And to start by outsourcing the things that they can't do. So, some people you see them online. Um, I'm going to start doing Google ads. I want to run some Google ads. So I'm going to learn to do it. Probably not the best use of your time because it is probably going to take weeks, if not months to really get it right. So it'd be better to invest in somebody that's already taken those weeks and months to know what they're doing, give them the money and ask them to do it. Because again, it comes back to your time is money. And if your hourly rate is £100 an hour and it's going to take you 30 hours to learn Google Ads, that's a lot of money, which I can't work out very quickly, even though you just add a couple of noughts, don't you? I think it's about £3,000 it's going to cost you. And that's probably two months of ads for Google Ads or something like that, a good, a good investment for, to start with Google Ads. So, yeah, start with the can't column. I find that most people start their outsourcing with a cleaner, which is nothing to do with their business, but it just really helps because I find I did it myself as well. A lot of people, because you're at home all the time, you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll just wipe over that sink a minute or, oh my goodness, that toilet could do with a clean. Or, But once you've got a cleaner, you're like, I'll leave it for her. What am I paying her for otherwise, you know, so or him? And uh, yeah, so start with a cleaner and then yeah. the camp column. Yeah. Excellent. I I heard of a good book called Who Not How. And I think that's what I try and think about. Because like you said before, it's really easy. And I see so many people, especially when they're starting off their business, get stuck looking at what different software platforms they can use, uh, different email responders and all that stuff. Instead of actually doing, they're just spending all their time 
researching. So, you know, you've got a great book which will help people in that scenario shortcut stuff. But in asking who, not how, is a good way of, of trying to sort of save that time and money. Brilliant. Uh, what I want to know next is what would you never outsource? Things that you need to keep on top of. So now this is a funny one because I think I think you can outsource almost anything really, but there are things that you need to be aware of all the time. So bookkeeping is something that people outsource a lot, but my my suggestion would be to, yes, give it to somebody, but ask that bookkeeper to show you how the system works so that you can keep an eye on your profit and loss, what's going in and out. And a good bookkeeper would also um, flag every so often and say, do you know what? Your Microsoft registration has gone out twice this month. I think there's an error or, or something like that. So you need to keep on top of your finances. The marketing. So if you've got somebody to do your social media, again, that's a great idea because that frees you up with time. But keep an eye on it. Make sure that they are engaging with everybody in your tone of voice and that you're getting the engagement that you require. I'm not saying to micromanage, absolutely not, because that's a waste of your time. Um, but just keep an eye on things that are business critical and bring in the income, I think. And is, is it worth, do you think, I mean, this isn't a question I plan to ask, but we very much look at data and sort of, you know, when you've got your business goals, your income goals and all of that stuff, there are sort of performance indicators that will give you a sense of whether you're on track, off track, um, what you're spending your time on. Do you use that sort of data to help you run your business today? No, I sometimes I'll just reflect and think you've done bugger all today, Gladly. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> you might want to just sit at your desk a bit longer tomorrow. Um, I tell you what is useful is to have a time tracker to see how long you are spending on certain tasks. There's there's something called Toggle that you can use, and um, even though you can end up sat down for eight hours. You, you'll find it sometimes you've you've done about two hours work <laughs> it's like okay so what was I doing because I've not eaten that much today but <laughs> so it's useful sometimes to track your time just to keep an eye on what you are doing cool cool excellent and you talk about finding a replica of you what do you mean by that what so I help people to build teams when they're at their growth ceiling um, and they want to earn more money and they want to take on more clients, the only thing to do is to either stop sleeping or to grow your team. This is when I suggest that people find a replica of themselves. So with my mentoring, um, I probably wouldn't do it with my one-to-one mentoring, obviously, because it's just me. But with my group mentoring, I've got a community manager that I've worked with, with a couple, for a couple of years now. She knows my tone of voice. Um, she knows what kind of answers I'll give. Um, she doesn't talk on my behalf. She only ever talks in her name, but I had to take a day off recently to go and have an MRI and something else. And I decided I was going to have the whole day off and she just took over everything for me and she kept the group going and was able to carry on. Um, if I use virtual assistants as an example, I advise them when they find their associates to take on work for them, that they find a replica of them. Somebody that speaks their languages, it's got their ethics presents themselves how you would present yourself online and can carry on your reputation I think is the key there yeah cool that's really uh, a really good tip and I'm hearing so much these days people are struggling to find 
a good VA or a good, you know, good replica of them or whatever it is that they're looking for, but particularly around VAs. Have you got any tips to help people with that? Absolutely, absolutely. My tip is to, is to write down exactly what you want that VA to do. So if you want them to send, um, write and send your newsletters, perhaps. So they're going to need to know about what it is you sell. Um, they're going to need to have a good use of English, you know, unless you don't worry about grammar and spelling or anything like that. They are also going to need to know how to use the email marketing package you want them to use. So that's just three examples there. You see a lot of people put online, I need a VA, and then finish it just there. And what comes is everybody who's decided that they're going to be a VA this week. And you're overwhelmed and you think, okay, so this was supposed to make life easier. And now I feel twice as overwhelmed. So detail everything you need doing and put that in a social media post. And I recommend LinkedIn because there's more serious business owners over there. There's not these that have just started up overnight after selling Arbon or something the day before. And then invite, what I always do if I'm looking for somebody or what I used to do is I then put in the bottom of the post, no DMs, emails only. And I wouldn't actually put my email address. So it would weed out those that don't read it properly because anybody that sent a DM, I could just ignore. And it would highlight those that have got the time to go and research me, find out a little bit about me, find my website and find my email address. And then I know that I'm finding somebody that that puts in the effort, that that is interested, that has read everything and, and has done a bit of research. And that helped me to find the right people. So be precise about what you want and what you're looking for. And then you'll get the right people to to come forward. There's a lot of people advocating sourcing help from places like Philippines and so on. What's your view on that? Um, yeah, um, well... Because I've always been a big champion and advocate of people charging what they're worth and not giving stuff away for free, I always like to work with with VAs in the United Kingdom. I like to support people in the United Kingdom um, and any freelancers as well. I mean, life is hard all over the world. Um, But I've got no problem if somebody decides they want to pay a five or an hour for somebody. entirely up to them. The only restraints are that um, sometimes there can be a language barrier sometimes. There's a time difference, which can be difficult. And if you ever tell anybody online that you're working with somebody in the Philippines and paying them £5 an hour, you've got to be ready for the backlash because you, you will get abuse from people. Even though their, their standard of living is different over there and £5 an hour is probably an awful lot to them, I don't know. Do what works best for your business, but there's, there's pros and cons with everything, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think quite often people don't hear the downsides. They're just focusing on, you know, that shiny penny because what works for someone else won't always work for you, I think. is And it's like you said, it's your business, your rules. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so the other thing that people find really difficult is delegating and letting go. I guess you are able to see this from both sides of the fence. Have you got some tips on that? Yes. So I found it really hard as well. And I said to myself, look, I was still a VA at the time when I first started looking at outsourcing stuff. And I thought, okay, so I encourage my clients to give me their money to do things for them. And then I'm like, oh, no, I'm not doing it. I can do it all myself. I think the important thing to know is you can't do it all yourself, not unless you just, you're going to sleep 
an hour a night and that's it. You just can. And it makes financial sense to outsource it. So my hourly rate is, is much more than what I pay a VA. So I'm saving myself probably maths was never my best thing. So we'll just say quite a lot of money by getting somebody else to do the things that aren't business critical and aren't bringing in the revenue and aren't ensuring that my one-to-one mentoring clients and my group mentoring clients are serviced and happy. So it makes financial sense. But it's this is why probably when you're new in business, you wouldn't outsource because it doesn't always make financial sense. Um, but after a few months, when you've got enough money coming in and your oxygen's covered, then you can look at starting to outsource things that you either can't, won't or shouldn't be doing. And is, do you find that um, getting that relationship started is the hardest part in terms of the VA, you know, business owner relationship? It can be, absolutely. And that's why it's critical that you find or try and find the right person from the start. Um, and you do that, like I said, by being specific in your, in your request for support. Everybody works differently. And with my long-term VA, how we used to work at the beginning, and I still do it sometimes now, is I will do a video of what I want done. Um, so if it's maybe she's not done it for a while or it's the first time she's done it and I know full well she can do it, I'll do a video. So sometimes she'll schedule stuff in Meet Edgar for me, the social media uh, scheduling software. And I'll do a Loom video of what I want her to do as an example so that she can refer to that and not panic. So, um, yeah, that works for her. And that works great for me because I don't have to get on a Zoom call with her and show her. I can just send her this three-second video and away she goes. Yeah. And and how, how would you recommend people manage that relationship? Is it sensible to have a weekly check-in? Because I would imagine there's some people, and maybe at the start it's more so that there's a lot of oversight but what would you say from again from both sides of the fence feels right in terms of monitoring performance and and making sure things are going smoothly yeah you've got to try as hard as possible not to micromanage um, because this VA that you may be outsourcing to is a business owner as well so they are you know they're not an employee of yours they are an equal and you need to give them some autonomy and, and let them get on with it Um, A weekly check-in, if they're happy with that, that's absolutely fine. But expect to be charged for that weekly check-in because their time is money. Um, So try and stay back as far as possible. If endless mistakes are being made, sometimes you've got a question whether you're giving the right advice. Um, Or if you're finding that what they're doing doesn't fit your business, then maybe you're not quite ready to outsource. But you've got to always look at it that you've because you've identified exactly what you want doing, you put that in your social media post, you've got the right person, leave it to the expert to do it. And you get on with what you're best at doing. And that's bringing in the money for your business. So you've got to let go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And a couple of things that I wanted to touch on. And as I said, I may need to get you on the show again to talk about these in a bit more detail potentially but one of the things that I read about you is that you have a different take on niches compared to or niches in in the US if you're listening um, compared to what's generally advocated can you share your thoughts on this yeah so what I detest and do not encourage (laughs) is um, the convoluted ideal client avatar so I couldn't give a monkey's nuts what 
knickers they wear or what newspaper they read or, you know, anything like that that's not going to, just not going to do anything really. Because I'm not going to start a social media post. Oh, I was reading The Guardian the other day. Would you like to do some one-to-one mentoring with me? It's not going to, you know, or oh, look at my red socks. Who else wears red socks? It's just not, not relevant. So what I do is I think about the service or I, help, or I say to my clients, think about the service that you provide and the pain points that that solves. Now, who's going to want that? And it always starts with, okay, small business owners. That's part of the ideal client avatar. Sometimes you determine your demographic accidentally. So my age range is, is primarily 35 to 55. I've never, ever written that down. I've never been so ageist. But my stats all show me that that's who I'm attracting. Um, and I attract women. And I've never been, I've not, I'm not a feminist. I've never been sexist. But I don't tend to work with men. I think I scare them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's to, it's to come away from this convoluted ideal client avatar and just think about your services, the pain points it solves, and then who's going to want that? And then you've got it. Absolutely sound advice there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. The last thing that I wanted to ask you about before we touch on speaking is the 20% rule. Now, you've written a book called The 20% Rule. It's your second book, and we'll put a link to that book in the show notes. Oh, thank you. What is it, and why should people care about this 20% rule? So I said earlier in the podcast that um, I had to go back to work when I, not long after I started my business, and that was because I lost a main client. When I went back to work, I hated it, absolutely hated it. Uh, so I said to myself, this is never happening again, but how can I stop it? And one of my clients was like, you're always going to be going through the feast or famine cycle. I thought, no, I'm not. Don't have to. I don't have to do that. You know, Apple don't do that. Bill Gates doesn't do that. Um, I, don't, I don't have to do that. I, I'm one of those that, okay, you're telling me I can't. So I'm just going to go off and find a way that I can. So I came up with the 20% rule that no one client should take up more than 20% of your time or your income. So that if you lose one of them, you're still okay you can still continue your business and then you can find somebody else to fit into where they've disappeared because you never know when you're going to lose a client. So it is just simply that, that no one client should take up more than 20% of your time or your income. But my whole book, my, my book is longer than just one paragraph. <laughs> if, if you were recommending your book to someone, who would you recommend it to and why? Um, established small business owners, service-based business owners. So yeah, not, not product-based because I, I I've not really worked with product-based business owners. So it's service-based. And why should they buy it? Because every sale made to a small business owner makes them happy. Is that not what they say? No, because, <laughs> because it will enable them to grow their business. They'll feel more confident in what they're doing. It will result in, in, more income because they will really helps their mindset to know that they are worth it that they can charge what they think they're worth and it's just more reassurance that running your own business is is viable it is financially viable you really can make it work absolutely and it definitely i'll put a link to the book in in the show notes it's definitely worth checking out and there's some fabulous reviews of that book as well Okay, so this is the speaking club. How do you use speaking in your business model? I tend to do my speaking through um, my using my tone of voice in my content and in my social media posts. 
I I do speak. Obviously, I do masterminds. Um, I do podcast interviews, but I don't tend to do any lives. I do lives for my group mentoring when we're doing a challenge, um, but I don't go out to the general public and let them see what I'm saying. I do a few YouTube videos so that people can see my accent or hear my accent. <laughs> Sorry to the American listeners. There should be subtitles, I hope. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I write as I speak. It's like when I have a Zoom call with somebody and they've read my book, they're like, oh my God, I can actually hear you talking now when I read your book. <laughs> and that, that is a skill. And it's, you know, I find often that people, you, know, you can speak and you, I've heard you speak and you're very funny and very articulate. And, but the skill you also have is that you, your voice comes through in your writing. And so people often write and then try to share what they've written as a talk and it doesn't work it's amazing skill if you can have it that you can have your voice come through in in a conversational way in the words that you've written and then conversely write and speak what you know speak in the right way too how's it how's it developed have you always had it or is it something you've had to cultivate and learn always had it even in the corporate world I was always told I, I remember being brought in after annual leave once told off about my out of office because it was too informal um, so I, I said something like, um, yeah, not here, being made bankrupt by my daughter as we spend the week going backwards and forwards to Ikea to get her ready for university. And I got in a lot of trouble for that when uh, hauled into an office. Um, always done it. Yeah, just always kind of been myself and a bit relaxed with my vocabulary. And But that's, you know, that's what the whole no like trust thing is about. You know, you you are what you are and people you know when they get you as a coach that's what they're getting you know they're familiar with it and they trust you and and everything else it's even more so now as well because I I lose words because of the tumors that I've had I've there's quite a few words that I'll lose and and I'll often say something to my partner and then look at him and I'll go is that the right word and he'll be like no no it's not I'll tell you a quick funny story one of my first clients I went to see them in person and I borrowed his pen and I said to him, uh, as I was going, I said, I'm going to have to give you your pen back. I'm a bit of a necrophiliac. And what <laughs> I meant was obviously meant kleptomaniac, but I just get my words wrong. Wasn't the best thing to say, given that he was a wheel writer as well. So, uh... <laughs> nice one. Cool. Okay, smashing. Right. Have you had a, a speaking gig, maybe a video or something like that, or a mastermind, wherever you talk, that has gone wrong and you're like, oh my goodness. I mean, I guess there's an example, but a- another one that you thought, oh, I wish I could do that again. Not while I've been in business, I don't think. Oh yes, I did a, um, I did a mastermind once and I had, some, <laughs> I had some slides to share. So I went through all these slides, finished the presentation, went back to the Zoom room and they were like, you didn't press share screen. And I'd been doing it for like half an hour. And I thought, I've got this habit of like wiping my nose because my nose runs all the time because of my surgeries. And, and I thought, oh no, I bet I've had my finger up my nose or something at some point, I'm going to stem them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago. I forgot about that. Thanks. But you still me. got back on the horse, which is what, which is the important thing because we all have these like, oh my goodness, uh, yeah. but you've got to crack on. You just got to get back on the horse. Yeah, you learn from it, don't you? So now it's like, I always say, can you see my screen? <laughs> <laughs> really important. Okay, smashing. Right, what is the book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? Well, it's a stupid one, but it's um, it's living with Addison's disease. It's uh-huh. just a little book. 
written by a professor and a GP, I think it was. And it just, so I'd been diagnosed probably about three years before the book came out. And you just don't know how to manage it because everybody is so different. And it, reading this book just explains so much to me. There is still much, so much for me to learn about it. And there's things in, that aren't covered in the book. But having that book to read was like, I'd no longer feel alone. I no longer feel weird or abnormal. So that is one that jumps to my mind, I think, that, that I would happily read again, yeah. How long have you lived with it? Uh, 2015 I think I was diagnosed it is good if you can find you know something like that 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 gives you reassurance and support I think because the medical system I I would imagine you know can go so far but having that extra sort of you know reassurance must be a a good thing yeah absolutely and Facebook groups are also an enormous help aren't they for anything there's a Facebook group for everything what's the best bit of business advice you've had and why the best bit of business advice. Yeah, so not giving too much away for free. Whereas, whereas everybody, it feels like sometimes everybody tells you um, to give lots away for free. That you, in fact, give everything away for free. And, um, and, and I believe the opposite. And it's not hindered my business. And if anybody, you know, if profit is important to them, it's not hindered my profit. This speaks to a really important point, which is you are not afraid to be polarising. And it's something that I talk about a lot. And people are scared to share their opinions um, and stand out from the crowd because they're worried about pleasing everyone. And you can't please everyone. No. And you've got to bring the right people to you. And the fact that you're upfront about this will bring the right people to you. And I guess you found that. Yeah, absolutely. I've just thought of the best business advice, actually, because that leads on from that, Um, because I am terrible for getting myself in arguments online um, because I do share. I am authentic and I do share what I believe. And sometimes you'll get I call him Derek, this bloke that keeps winding me up, but it's not called Derek. Um, And they'll come on and they'll they'll get angry with you and, and they'll get offended by you. And I used to argue with them. I could spend a whole Saturday, you know, arguing with people. And then somebody said to me once, you can't play chess with a pigeon. And I thought, wow, that's deep. That sat deep with me. It's often the most ridiculous sayings that do sit with me. And I've stopped, in inverted commas, arguing with people online. I've actually stopped myself. Um, yeah, you, I, I can't argue with a pigeon. I can't argue with, with some. And, and why should I? Because I'm not going to convert them. So uh, that was the best bit of business advice because it saved me so much time and stress. I love that. Right, last question then. If you could choose anyone to be your mentor and they could be alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, who would you choose and why? This could be quite controversial, but I think Alan Sugar. I don't like a lot of what he says with regards to personal stuff like his take on the COVID-19 thing, I didn't quite agree with, didn't agree with at all. But I think I could probably learn an awful lot from him. In fact, I know I could learn an awful lot from him, but I could also give him a run for his money with his shouting because I've worked with people like him before and um, I'd like the opportunity to work with him and and maybe try and put him in his place as well if he got a bit leery. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. 
Listen, that's brilliant. Thank, thank you for everything that you've shared today. I, I will, I think I'm going to get you back to talk about power hours at wow. some point, if you're up for that. I'd love to. I'd love to. I often cool. get called back and it's not to apologise. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but in the meantime, if people want to find out more about you, Catherine, and maybe to, to join your group or get some one-to-one coaching for me, or just to find out what you're all about, where's the best place for them to go? So the best place would be my website, which is katherinegladwin.co.uk. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So come over there and, and try and get me into an argument. And I won't. I won't. I'll just, I'll just call you a pigeon and I'll move on. <laughs> Thank you so much again. I really I appreciate it. it. And, um, yeah, do go and check out the book. I'll put a link in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Catherine. Not at all. I've loved it. Thank you so much. I've only known Catherine for a short while, but I've been so impressed with what she's delivered and I absolutely love her honesty and authenticity. I've got a number of things to work on that I've learned from her in this episode and from the other stuff that she's been doing for me with my mastermind group and I'm hoping to share with you in the future. So go and check out her books and website so that you can improve your work-life balance and business results. And before I go... Don't forget to check out the challenge. It is an absolute blast and I love to be able to work with you live and see you surprise yourself with your stories. Last thing, if you enjoy this podcast, please can you do me a favour and head over to ratethispodcast.com slash TSC. And if you could leave me a review or rating or rating and review and message me with it on Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn, then I'll send you an e-copy of my book, Cracking Speechmate, for free. Thanks again so much for joining me. I'll be back in seven days. And in the meantime, don't you forget to grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. If you want to be more memorable and engaging when you talk, then you need to share more stories. Stories can help you better connect with your audience and their problems and get them leaning in more powerfully than anything else. And short, snackable stories are great to use in pitches, Facebook Lives, podcasts, videos, keynotes, webinars, blogs, in fact, everywhere to share your message and grow your business. The trouble is that finding your snackable stories and confidently sharing them can feel like a struggle. And that struggle can slow you down or stop you in your tracks. But that's where my free Snackable Story Challenge comes in. Over the course of just five days, I'm going to give you resources, training and coaching to help you find your authentic personal stories to share and build your skills and confidence in sharing them. Not only that, but the challenge will guide you towards a tangible result at the end and assets for you to use going forward. The next challenge is starting soon. So to grab your space, go to saraharcher.co.uk slash challenge right now.